0: giving right here every Tuesday, Tom Hanksgiving, come on and press play, there's Elvis the host with the most, yada 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 yada, with a different guest each week, they the smart ones, each episode's a new movie, about Tom Hanks the man himself, of course it's time for Tom Hanksgiving, it's the best you can get, it's the Rootinest Tootinest Podcast on the internet.
1: howdy partner and happy tom hanksgiving it's me elvis your editor-in-chief for the podcast and today we are back out of our Hankspernation nation semi-retirement to discuss 2017's brand new steven spielberg directed movie the post starring meryl streep tom hanks uh bob odenkirk David Cross, Allison Brie, Matthew Rhys, Tracy Letts, Bradley Whitford, a whole lot of other people, um, and written by Liz Hanna and Josh Singer. Uh, The movie is released on December 22nd, Uh, so this should be coming out right as it comes out or just after, for all of you who have hopefully watched it. And today I am joined by our special
2: guest and returning guest from the Happy Days episode, John Marquis. Hello. And thanks for having me back after jumping the shark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how have you been?
2: I've been, I've been good. I, uh, I recently went to New Orleans, and I basically planned my New Orleans trip around Tom Hanks because of you. <laughs> <laughs> That's right! Describe, describe why. Uh, I booked a week-long trip to New Orleans for a conference, and... Then I mentioned it to you, we're roommates. Mm-hmm. When I said the date, you were like, you're going to miss Tom Hanksgiving. Yes, not the <laughs> podcast, but the holiday. Yes. And so I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Can't do that. <laughs> Can't miss Tom Hanksgiving. So I changed my flight. And then for my return flight, I had to make sure I got back before a special screening of the post. Yes. That I invited you to. Because Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg and other guests were going to be there for a QA.
1: Oh my god. And so yes, it's true. We went and it was it was great. And I've seen Tom Hanks twice now this year. Which means probably the next time I see him, he'll be on the podcast. And so we're getting closer. Hopefully. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, wow. It's we finished the regular run of the show back in uh, the summertime. And we've had a couple, like, this is the third episode we've had since we've been on semi-retirement. And uh, we're at the end, we're at the tail end of 2017, and good gosh, was this a tough year. How how about, what is happening in...
2: The world. Well, Taylor Swift said she couldn't have asked for a better year.
1: That's true. Yeah, I feel like she's doing a very poor job of reading the room. Very but much I'm so. happy for Taylor Swift. Uh, everybody else, it feels like it's been <laughs> yes. a struggle. Yes. Um, I think the, the probably the the number one thing dominating the media right now is uh, what uh, uh, a fellow podcast, The Daily Zeitgeist, referred to as Menghazi. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is just this oversaturation of all of these uh, powerful celebrity men usually in uh, pop culture or
2: entertainment or politics. Kind of That's being. a lot of. It's 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 everywhere. Like the Olympic gymnastics doc was it doctor or coach?
1: I'm not sure. And then there was yeah. obviously the celebrity chef, but yeah. he kind of leans into the entertainment industry too. But yeah. it's it's happening everywhere yeah. is the problem. But it's getting this spotlight in these areas specifically. <laughs> Sexual assault allegations are coming out, and people are going fucking down. Like Kevin Spacey famously yeah. got <laughs> replaced in. Uh, all the money in the world, which you saw recently, yes, right? Yes, I, I won't say anything. That's about fine. That. That's fine. <laughs> I will say that the trailer is aggressively obnoxious, but I have not seen yes. the movie. Um, and it's going down, and it even happened to uh, uh, John Lasseter. He was uh, he had uh, uh, allegations come out about um, sort of a domineering presence in the workplace and creating a hostile environment, and he referred to them as unwanted hugs. And the whole thing just yeah, reeked right. of. There's more to the story here. That's not. Yeah. It's probably not. Not that I want to go into degrees of what's worse, but it's probably not like as bad as a spacey or a Louis C.K. situation. But it's not good. Right. And he stepped down from Pixar, and we put out a statement on uh, on our Twitter at Tom Hanks Pod about it. And it's just been. And it's it's been an uncomfortable year because not because. You know we're remorseful for these these artists that are being taken down. Yeah. Now they deserve to be uh, punished and have consequences for their actions. It's just uncomfortable at how it's it's not a secret that this is the sort of reality that's been happening forever. But it's it's uncomfortable to be to you know to be faced with it. But it's a good thing that we're being faced with yeah. it because we're seeing some actual consequences and it's silence is being broken exactly. And that's a good thing. Um, but how this ties into Tom Hanks specifically is he kind of remains the one focal point of like oh no he's a good guy in Hollywood he's not gonna be a fucking bastard and like there was like a, a week there where it was just like every day someone was coming yeah. out and that was the John Laster week and I was like we just have to make it to yeah. the post we just have to make it through time thanksgiving yeah giving. where you Don't-
2: like counted down the days <laughs> yes. or just like okay just this many days, nothing can th- come out about Tom Hanks, and we're still a go on Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah, <today>. we,
1: otherwise <laughs> we have a lot of people coming to our house, yeah. and we can't watch any of these It'll movies.
2: Just be sad. <laughs> yeah, not that I, I and I have faith
1: that Tom Hanks will not be. This will not come out about him. But it's also just like it's uncomfortable because you think that about so many of these people. Yeah. And uh, but but why I think it's funny that Tom Hanks has taken on this ro- this role within this larger story mm-hmm. as like. The one guy, or there's even joke articles coming out about more women are reporting that Tom Hanks is like a really nice guy on set, or or it goes the other way and it's like he's murdered 7,000 people, but everybody still likes him.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, you haven't seen him like shit the bed in interviews like the way Matt Damon did recently. Oh my god, like, Matt Damon. I wanted
1: shit. to punch him in the face yeah. just for the downsizing trailer I keep yeah. seeing, but especially, I mean, and this isn't the first time Damon said shit yeah. like this, too, okay. which I think is noticeable because. For the for all of these people, that stuff's coming out. It's like you've heard or they've said stupid things in the past yeah. that it leads to this, and that's never really been the case for Tom Hanks. So I'm very, I guess I'm just very <laughs> happy that he remains this uh, this positive figurehead we can keep,
2: and so this podcast yeah. can keep going <laughs> and it doesn't die a very sad death. And also, no women were harmed in More the with Tom Hanks, <laughs>
1: or, or in general, yeah. yes. Um, because there's so, and there's so few positive male role models in the world right now. We need the Tom Hankses of the world. But you know, we're in this, we're in this year, crazy new political discourse where pedophiles are going up against politicians who seem to be, or no, yeah, he yeah, was he a, fucking the, KKK people, yeah. <laughs> and there's like. Thank God he won the yeah. election, but like there was a i didn't think he was going to after after the whole year we've had with Trump and uh his base just not you know believing any of the things and how he's how he's basically corrupted the media and and has created this this um this sense of you can't he, he's the sense of distrust in the media and he's going to combat the press and uh that was a very familiar place to start uh, when we started watching the Post. Yes. At that very special screening. Mm-hmm. What would you say the
2: Post is about? Okay, so the Post is basically it surrounds the Washington Post decision to publish the Pentagon Papers. Mm-hmm. Or and what the are paper. the Pentagon? Okay. Papers? I'm glad Without, you asked. Without going
1: into full detail Well, actually, before we do that, yeah. So the Post it's about. Uh, it's about yeah the the Pentagon Papers coming out and uh, the Washington Post and the failing New York Times they're kind of mutual uh, public you know efforts to publish them and get this story out about uh, the government's information on and feelings about the truth behind the Vietnam War yeah. and it focuses on uh, uh, Catherine K Graham who is the first female newspaper publisher and took over for her late husband who. Uh, Was taking over for her father, um, uh, for the Washington Post, and uh, also her the the newspaper editor, Brent Bradley, who is played by Tom Hanks. Kay Graham is played by Meryl Streep, and it's their kind of efforts to overcome this this challenge to authority that uh, President Nixon kind of put in place uh, about publishing these papers. But tell us more about what these papers are actually
2: about. We're going to get a history lesson from John Okay. Here. So, yeah, the Pentagon Papers, they were commissioned by Robert McNamara, and it was stated in the movie that, like, they were for the future purposes of, like, research. hmm And so he didn't want them out now, but they were, like, very... They're very forthcoming about like the motivations and actions behind the Vietnam War, like going back to the Truman administration. Yeah, it was like decades, and how many different presidents was? I mean, Truman, Eisenhower, <clears> Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon. Nixon. Jeez. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's frightening. And like, it like that. Basically, <clears throat> it was often in direct opposition to what these presidents said to the American people. Mm-hmm. And so. And one of the authors of the Pentagon Papers was Daniel Ellsberg, who had served in Vietnam, and he was a policy expert. He was a strategic analyst for the Rand Corporation. And he just became an increasingly outspoken critic of the war. And he just couldn't have it on his conscience knowing these things.
1: <laughs> so he he does, like, a heist. He steals all the,
2: the papers, Yeah, basically. I mean, like, he had copies. Yeah. He just snuck them out and got them Xeroxed. By the uh, founder of the Palm Corporation.
1: The Palm Corporation?
2: <laughs> or, I don't know if she's the founder. Linda oh, but resident. the drink, right? Yeah, the Palm. Oh, my God.
1: That's so weird. <laughs>
2: yeah, when I was, like, buying, like, juices recently, I was like, oh, should I try kombucha or should I, like, <laughs> go? Because I, like, I remember I saw, I heard something about, like, the person who owns the Palm Company doing something really good. And it's like, oh, yeah, either Spielberg or Tom Hanks talked about how Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Linda isn't... Resnick, like she actually helped Xerox the Pentagon papers, right? And so it's like, yeah, I should buy Palm. So
1: this episode but of Tom Hanks giving is sponsored, is sponsored, by, sponsored palm. by
2: Palm, although they use a lot of water and contribute to the drought, apparently. Oh, uh,
1: so. well, not nobody's everyone perfect. is great. <laughs> uh, but back to yeah. Daniel Ellsberg, yeah. who's played by Matthew Reese. Yeah, so great in The Americans. <clears throat> I love him. The he makes these copies, takes them out, and. He submits them to the Times and eventually the Post. Yes. And that's how this breaks.
2: Well, I don't think he submits them to the Post. Well, he does later. It, yeah. Yeah, in the yeah. movie. Well, I so guess it's no. a... it's a, get a f- phone tag with Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. And then, like... Because there's that one scene where, like, the woman just drops it at the guy's desk. Oh,
1: yes. woman played by
2: Sasha Spielberg.
1: Ah, oh, good old Sasha. <laughs> yeah.
2: Sam, so, yeah, where were we?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh... And they, but these papers led to what court trials about the First Amendment and yeah. what the freedom of the press actually challenging those barri- barriers, those boundaries, and it eventually led and built up to the Watergate scandal. Correct?
2: Uh, like I don't the, know. like I mean, certainly the post the, like, the film builds to that point. Yeah, and you know the Washington Post broke the Watergate scandal. Yes, yes. So so it, it's kind in of, a way, like, yeah. because they had probably because of that court decision and the fact that publishing the Pentagon papers was successful in that way they had the freedom to like what's we got to go publish for this story on the Watergate scandal which so. led to the resignation of Nixon yeah. and a whole yeah. uh Good thing for the government. I'm not in that chapter of Nixon, like, yeah, so I can't. <laughs> well that's say okay. Anything, but that, that, that's mean? the
1: that's the that's the chapter after the post. But in that yeah. way, you can really look at the Pentagon Papers and the Post, the film, as sort of this origin story for Catherine Graham and the Post yeah. itself as this uh, tool for the people, the the citizens of the United States, to challenge their government and get to the truth of things. And uh, I think uh, to, to, to dive into the movie a bit, I think it's it's maybe the most optimistic story about America.
2: Specifically, I felt all year like maybe the yeah.
1: only one I felt all year.
2: Well, like I saw Hamilton the night Doug Jones got elected, so like that's that's, <laughs> yeah. A, that's yeah. yeah, that's a twofer right there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Post is up there. So. Post, I mean, it, it's
1: just it was just nice for a moment to be like, oh. Things can be building to something, um, and, and that's the thing, especially with the Q&A, with Spielberg there, it was very obvious, like, this was a, this they made this movie because of what's happening right yeah. now. This is a 2017 yeah, movie. Yeah, it was is a, a
2: quick turnaround for this movie. Yeah,
1: he shot it after he shot Ready Player One, but it came out before, yeah.
2: and it was like, because we need to get this out yeah. now. I think it was like nine months and... Like, from start to finish, pretty much.
1: Yeah, so is it too optimistic to assume that now that the post, or when the post comes out uh, proper, because we're still in the pre-release things, that that will lead uh, to the resignation of Donald Trump? Just like the
2: post led to the resignation of Richard Nixon? No, I think we have to give credit to journalists (gasps) who are... (laughs) That's true, that's true. (laughs) Fighting this attack on free press, like every step of the way.
1: But wouldn't have so. been great. Tom Hanks defeats Donald Trump yeah. with Meryl Streep.
2: Oh, that's the headline I want to
1: <laughs> see. Any newspaper will yeah. do. Let's but let's talk about the the nitty gritty of the movie. What did you What did you think? What did you like?
2: Uh, let's see. Well, when people ask about it, I basically tell them it's like it's solidly Spielberg. Certain nitpicky things I could say, and we'll probably talk about those. Yeah, yeah,
1: like. Uh, for, like, specifically the beginning is the is yeah. the, the weakest part of yeah. the movie. And uh, you
2: have a, a great point about the Vietnam sequence. It's just, like, I understand, like, it's not a Vietnam War movie. No. And they want to have a Vietnam shorthand. But really, Credence. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Spielberg always gets this criticism in a lot of his films for being too on the nose. Yeah. I think, especially with where the state of the world is right now, being on the nose is maybe a good thing. But that choice, even though I'm not a musical guy, I I can see where you're coming from. That was yeah. a little much. Yeah. Um, for me, the Vietnam sequence, which opens the movie, it just feels so... It's so prolog it's so perfunctory that it's like you could cut this off. Yeah. Um and we've and the other and just like it wasn't a bad sequence in the making of itself but we've seen army sequences done so much better from Spielberg. Yeah. But this was this uh, is this his first Vietnam scene that he's ever directed cuz everything else seems to be Cold War World War 2 As best as I can recall, I don't think he's ever done a Vietnam war don't yeah. I don't think he has seen or even a movie in that period. Hmm. So in that yeah. way, I'm I'm glad it's in the in the Spielberg canon. Just, yeah. Just for that, it's kind of neat. But it was yeah. It, it didn't do any. It didn't hold a candle to any of his previous war scenes. Uh, not that it needed to. Again, it was yeah. a perfunctory scene. But I think my least favorite scene in the movie. It was really just a stylistic choice. Was when they were xeroxing all the yeah. papers, and it looked <laughs> like some nineties. TV show where they're like f- going through all the newspapers, like I'm like trying to figure out the mystery, and just yeah. like, looks so boring with like superimposed scanning and heads, and then yeah. the reading out loud yeah, of the that documents. Thing, like,
2: Daniel Ellsberg would not just be like reading quotes from this thing he's read and like written yeah. part of. Like. Yeah, like
1: it was a cheesy ass choice. Yeah, it, it did its job, which Spielberg always manages to clarity is kind of his greatest talent and of course manipulation of your emotions but the movie really didn't it really came into focus as soon as we met Meryl Streep playing Catherine Graham in that first uh, board meeting scene oh, yeah. and it's like oh this is what the movie it clicked for yeah. me then it's really the heart of the movie it's not Tom Hanks' story and it's about it's another very 2017 thing and why to, kind of why we spent the whole front of the show talking about yeah. uh, this Benghazi thing because she's this first female publisher, and none of the old white guys around her are listening to her, and she, she even doubts herself and has this yeah. this trouble speaking up in meetings, and uh, it just it just endears you to her. If she wasn't Meryl Streep, it would even do it, but gosh darn! I
2: know uh, that Meryl Streep. Yeah, what do you what did you think of Meryl Streep in the movie? She was very good. Like, I can't criticize Meryl Streep. But, no, no. Yeah. My, although uh, my
1: favorite Seinfeld joke is, oh, that Meryl Streep, she's such a funny baloney. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like yeah. Meryl Streep in many ways is the female Tom Hanks. Or perhaps Tom Hanks is the female Meryl Streep. Yes. I, I hate to kind of do the, the, the typical thing where it's like we would nominate her because, of course, she's great.
2: Yeah. But, but it's like... it's a, is it her best
1: performance? No. It's obviously, but it's a, not. It's but it's a, a really great, good
2: performance. Yeah, it's like, it's a wor- it would like assuming she gets nominated, it's a worthy nomination. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I think what what she brings to the role that uh,
1: that really I don't know did something for me was this ability to convey how smart she was um, and how capable uh, Catherine Graham is. But the believability of her reservations and her self doubt, and specifically the stuff where she's conflicted by like betraying her her uh, her friendships with these high figures and pursuing the truth, and that's oh, yeah. kind of the crux of the, ma- yeah. the movie. A classic <laughs> difficult decision. Yes, um, she's good at those. Yeah. She's really good at yeah, those. Yeah, I can't think of a specific example. Yeah. Like maybe Mamma Mia. Uh, yeah, I could see that.
2: Mm. What do you think was her strongest scene? I think on those, like, phone calls when she, like, has to make the decision. Well, I well, since we already talked about the boardroom scene. Yeah. I think that was the scene that sort of, like, put you in her shoes. Yeah. And, but then when she has to make, like, this decision on to whether to publish or not, like, such a, like, you know a cheer moment when she finally does it and like all yeah. the building up to it.
1: And even, yeah, like they <laughs> the way Spielberg just kind of constructs that, she gets on the phone is like yeah. a victory in itself. And then she's like telling people to get off the phone. It's like, it's yeah. my house. yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's like, she's so close. She's getting closer and closer to taking control of the yeah. situation. And then when she does, it's it's total victory. And yeah. in that classic solid Spielberg way, as yeah. you put it, uh, where you're on his ride and you feel that sense
2: of, we're we're gonna take this risk, um, and it's it's such a win. There's also one scene that kind of stuck out that was like, Captain Graham was going I believe, to the Supreme Court, and a woman who's on the prosecution against her. Oh yeah, yeah. Like comes up to her and is like. I just want to know, I like, I support like what you've done and like, I'm, I forget exactly what she Yeah, yeah, I, but I she, she looks,
1: she's like totally, it's this young intern for the, yeah, for the, for the opposing, uh, the prosecution. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but she just looks up to Catherine Graham as this role model and it's like, if my boss saw me, he would yeah fire me kill me on the spot and she like lets K, K Graham in through like a, the back way because yeah. she, so she doesn't have to go in through all the the gateway or whatever the security checks and whatnot and it's it's just this great moment and it's that's kind of the message of the movie yeah. when stripped of all of the the grander uh political landscape stuff it's like it's about you know this awesome woman challenging mm-hmm. the the patriarchy and inspiring mm-hmm. those uh inspiring
2: other women to do the same and that's kind of I think why the spark that Liz Hanna brought to this movie yeah um, and also there was like Sarah Paulson's one speech where she was talking to Ben and like I think he wanted just like his wife to tell him like oh you're so brave for doing this and then she's like well you know who's the brave one
1: yes yes (laughs) it's it's Kay yeah Yeah. and it's like she's putting everything on the line and it's and that's, uh, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, we, we've kind of, I feel bad because I feel like we haven't given that aspect of the movie enough of its due. Yeah. And I think part of that is how deftly it's woven into the narrative yeah. by Spielberg's direction and by the writing. Yeah, It's so, like, everybody's talking about how it's so on the nose and in your face with Spielberg, but, like, he does it in a way where it just makes so much sense that you don't even question it in a way.
2: I will say at that point I did feel like that speech might have been a little too on the nose but it maybe it stuck out because I was just like waiting for Sarah Paulson to do something the whole time because it's like you better not just be in the wife role. Mm -hmm. Every time someone is like this is too on the nose I
1: just think about like can, have you seen the media literacy of yeah. <laughs> a lot of Americans today? We kind of need to be on yeah. the nose. We need to be blunt and didactic. Yeah. And uh, I was really glad that we got both of those moments specifically, mm-hmm. which again are are both like in your face about what they are. But it's it's I guess it's the 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 the, uh, the Spielberg genuineness, the lack of cynicism yeah. that fills the rest of the movie that they don't feel out of place. Yeah
2: and also maybe it feels on the nose because of the times we're in like yeah. they didn't like when when they were making this movie like all the stuff hadn't come out the yet. allegations and
1: were coming so out and breaking they
2: didn't like quite realize the exact storm they would be in when this comes out
1: yeah you know Tom Hanks has had two feature films come out this year one of them has been good i enjoyed the circle but mm. i it, it, it was, that was a movie that it was messy and it kind of got lost in its, uh, in its execution and its metaphors. Um, but strangely enough, both of them were so like strangely prophetic about 2017 in a way that was unexpected. Uh, the circle just being about how, uh, how companies are just like consuming all of our privacy and we're just. Kind of losing all of that, and uh then obviously this movie with its its bizarre propheticness of uh you know women going up against
2: being the true the true brave acts going up against this system against them although can you call like a period feast like prophetic because it is based in history and it is sort of like
1: but i think prophetic yeah. only in the sense of how you were putting it like when yeah. they
2: made it they didn't realize yeah, how exactly. resonant today it would be but there are always just so many parallels between history and today that we just never learn history and we need to
1: it's doomed to repeat itself so meryl streep is fantastic in this movie that's like, the least necessary thing ever said. But (laughs) it should be said and celebrated. Yes. Uh, And uh, we also have Tom Hanks in this movie. We do. The reason we're here. Oh, that's why we're here? Uh, It is, in fact. And he's, uh, like we said before, Meryl's the heart of this movie. Um, But uh, how would you characterize Ben Bradley in in terms of what his function in the story is? He's not the antagonist. But he is kind of the clash of philosophy, So he kind of works as an antagonistic force to Catherine Graham's reservations about pursuing the truth. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So I guess, yeah, in that way, Kay Graham is the classic protagonist in the sense of she has to overcome an internal and an external force to kind of change her perspective. But uh, Ben Bradley is a constant throughout. He's always on the right. Uh, He's kind of in a way, he's a little bit of a mentor figure but in the sense that his arc is just, like, it's, I don't want to say it's flat, but it's, like, he's a steadfast character. He believes in what he believes in, and he convinces other people around them that that's the right thing to do. And I think that's a great way for Tom Hanks, it's a great role for Tom Hanks to play. Because that's kind of what he's been for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yes, Tom Hanks is the steadfast one good thing in this world, and he's going to conv- continue to change us. Yeah. Uh, to be better people, so yeah, perfect casting. And uh, Tom Hanks had actually known Ben Bradley and been uh, uh, yeah. maybe not a close friend, but friends friendly with him and met him. And that that really went into his performance, which uh, was great because he got really Hanksy hammy with his oh, his he voice. He did he did, yeah. a, he did yeah. kind of an impression because
2: he was like, Hey, you know, you gotta be on the papers, kid.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Here, where's our intern? Go down to the New York Times. Don't tell them why you're there.
2: Yeah, and it is kind of strange to watch him after recently seeing All the President's Men, because Jason Robards plays Ben Bradley. Right, right. And and Jason Robards is fantastic. And so, like, not knowing what Ben Bradley is like in person, I'm, like, comparing it to Jason Robards, but, like, as the sort of, like, Figure I recognize right, as the, Ben Bradley, the icon so, Ben yeah. Bradley. So I wonder if that means the
1: the Tom Hanks Ben Bradley is a closer depiction to reality. I have no idea. We we you we know, can only speculate. But yeah. the fact that they knew each other is is probably a good. I mean, he made a vo- He did a voice for a reason. I think his hair was really interesting uh, because Tom Hanks does not have straight hair. Hmm. The only real time he. Tried to pull off straight hair that was Da Vinci oh, code. Oh God! And that we all the we hair sw- is better
2: in <laughs> the Oh, post it's, it's good. It's
1: good. It yeah. actually, it, it, but it still looks a little unnatural. Yeah. So I'm thinking it must. If it there's obviously work done with the hair department, but was it even like a piece? I don't
2: know.
1: I, it's hard to tell because he has such a close uh, cut hair haircut now in general. Um, so I think it might've been a, a nice, a really nice wig, but it looked good. Yeah. It was, it was a shocking Hanks to see. And i honestly, this is maybe just my theory cause I kind of have curly th- hair is that there's something about like having like a nice straight hair that's like an easy constructed like shape that I feel like it gives you a confidence that is just like, Oh, it's there. It's probably not true, but but there's a part of me that's like, oh, if I
2: had, if I if I only had straight hair, I'd be like, mmm, on the money. I've I've never known about this curly hair, straight hair jealousy thing. It's a thing. I think, okay. it, I, and I think it's
1: because maybe just for specifically for me, because I don't I don't think curly hair is any worse, but it's like, it's harder to draw, oh. and I think because of that, it it's harder. It's like a, it's a less striking shape and silhouette, and I think that's why, even in real life, it's like a harsher line, so it kind of comes, it comes across as a stronger authority. And I think that's kind of what we got out of Tom Hanks as Ben Bradley, because usually he's a little bit more affable, he's a little bit more flawed, perhaps, in his, like, leading roles when he has his Hank's hair. Uh, But here, like, again, Ben Bradley, he's the voice of reason. He's the, he's, he's your coach, man. He just, he has,
2: the fire in him. He's yeah. right, and he's pushing you. you one do thing it is making me realize I also have to grapple with straight hair privilege now.
1: <laughs> but you kind of it's kind of got some waves it, to if it. If it gets
2: long, it gets curly. Yeah, oh. there,
1: there's shape to yeah. it. I mean, you know, it, the other thing is like, straight hair can be boring if you don't do anything okay. with it. But I think it's easier to make shapes out of it. Curly hair is kind of like, it can, it's not bad looking, but there's only like one thing you can do with it. <laughs> um, but, uh, Yeah, that's enough about Tom (laughs) Hanks' hair in this movie. Although very important. Yes. This is another instance of Tom Hanks playing kind of more of a supporting role. And I think, obviously, I love him in his lead roles, but he
2: has so much to offer as a supporting character. Yeah. Uh, And Spielberg knows how to use him as a supporting character. Yes, he does. Uh, Or like second lead. Yeah, I mean, that's really what this is. This is co-star. It's not truly supporting character.
1: Um, and in that sense, uh, the Oscar nominations aren't out yet, obviously. But if he were to be nominated, it would be for Best Actor, yeah. not Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. So, yeah, that's to clarify that. But the, just the sporting in the sense that he's not the main
2: character. Yeah. But man, the supporting cast in this movie is fantastic.
1: fantastic. Let's yeah. let's
2: jump down the the roster. All right, well, well, you've named a bunch of them, but you like even glossed over like Bruce Greenwood. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> There's so many people yeah, in this movie. like Carrie Coon, Jesse Plemons. Zach yeah. Woods. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot.
1: Um, I, I Just personally, I was so delighted to see David Cross and Tom Hanks in this movie because when I went to see... The Shakespeare performance on previous episode 65, David Cross was one of the okay. cast members of that Shakespeare that live performance. And I was like, I think we said on that episode, I want the David Cross-Tom Hanks movie. And at oh, that point, I, got it. I didn't know that uh, they they had probably did that together because they had worked on The Post together. Yeah. So that was With delightful to say. an additional
2: Bob Odenkirk. Right? And For Bob Odenkirk, and David.
1: Yes. Bob, and Bob Odenkirk has... He's great. Yeah, uh,
2: he, yeah, he's got a large role in this movie. Yeah. It's fantastic, um, and uh, and also as like a Breaking Bad fan, <laughs> it's great to see Jesse Plemons be a lawyer talking to Bob Odenkirk.
1: <laughs> <laughs> This is uh, this is a significant movie for Tom Hanks because this is his. Uh, Entry to the Five Timers Club oh, for yes. Steven Spielberg. He's only I like ever had a reference. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, he's tied now with Ron Howard, who has directed him in five movies. Okay. So now we
2: have uh, we have two directors he's worked with the most, and yeah. until he cameos in Ron Howard's Star Wars movie, which well will will count. <laughs> yeah. uh, and
1: actually, Tom Hanks is now tied for the most times Steven Spielberg has directed one actor with Harrison Ford, who he's directed in all Indiana Jones movies, which is four, but also, and I just found this out today when I was doing some uh, research for the podcast, uh, Harrison Ford was in a deleted scene in E.T. Really? Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty crazy. Um, But because of that, I think that means Hanks wins because
2: he's been in all five movies.
1: Where does this one kind of sit? Let's do a little
2: mini Tom Rank's giving. All right, let's let's do some ranking. I will say... It's been a while since I've seen the terminal, but I think that's going to be number five. <laughs> that
1: yeah, I I I on that episode of the podcast, yeah. uh, jumping all the way back to Spielberg month, which is like two maybe three years ago now. Uh, I was not super hot on the movie. I, there's good stuff in there, and I might like it more on a rewatch. But uh, yeah, not yeah, not super. That, that's the that's the number five. spot. Yeah. For me, I think number one is always going to be Catch Me If You Can.
2: It's, yeah, that and Saving Private Ryan are, like, Saving in a Because, like, Catch Me If You Can is, like, one of Spielberg's most rewatchable movies. Yeah, and it's I think that's like, what it is.
1: Like, Saving Private Ryan is a solid number, two, oh, And yeah. it's great. I just think, like, in terms of my personality, I'm more inclined to enjoy a movie like Catch Me If You Can than Saving Private Ryan. Um, and he's, he's just fantastic and so yeah. funny. As Carl yeah. Hanratty, so the yeah, so it's really down to three and four. Yeah, Bridge of Spies and uh, the Post. I
2: think I'll put the Post as number three.
1: Post is number three. There was a minute there because yeah. I've only seen Bridge of Spies once, Same and obviously recent, recency bias with the Post. But when I thought about it this morning, it was the Post is a s- more significant story, even though it's it's a lesser Hanks role. The fact that the Post ties into so much of what. I'm constantly thinking about and facing it in everyday life now in 2017. Uh it's gotta be number three. It's a Bridges Spies is great. I'm a big defender of Bridges Spies. People are like, ah, it's boring, Spiel- Spielberg, he's lost his touch. I think that's not true at all. It's it's great, it's just it has less relevance in my mind. What
2: is your reason why it's number three and not number four? I think like uh, it's yeah, I haven't seen *Bridge of since it came out, so it's been a few years. But I I do remember being a little disappointed by it. But mm-hmm. then, like it kind of did remind, like I did listen to the podcast about it. Right, right. And I was like, oh yeah, that wow. was a great scene. That was a great <laughs> scene. And so like it did add esteem in my head. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's still like still not there when I'm like. Yeah, I want to think about this great Steven Spielberg movie. I'm not going to think of Bridge of Spies. Right, right.
1: I mean, and that's the thing. The one and two spots are very close. Yeah. The three and four spots are very close. And then there's a bit of a gap between four and five. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah. Uh, And in terms of direction, do you think Spielberg brought anything new to the table? Because this was, was, like, he did his famous... uh, double directing duties like within a the span of a year with yeah. these movies because he did all the shit for Ready Player 1 and then shot this super quickly as we mentioned before. Uh was this just like the
2: machine of Spielberg or did he actually get some new stuff in there? What it felt it felt kind of like machine Spielberg I will say like mm-hmm. it felt like he could have done this in his sleep, and that's not, like, a... That's not a... That's I, not a I, criticism. I think I agree with you. It's, like... It's the same it's thing It's an we, acknowledgement of his talent. It's the same thing we said about Meryl Streep. Yeah. And even Tom Hanks. Yeah. It's, like, there's so three of good. them, like, you just... Like, you could put them in a movie, like, those two in a movie directed by Steven Spielberg, and it could be bad. But chances are, like, working with this material, they're not gonna screw it up.
1: Like. And I think, you know what, not to, even though I, I still pr- f- firmly place it in the number three spot, I think maybe that's my one significant pe- uh, pain with this movie is that we finally got this combination of like three of the most talented, you know, just put the potential of putting a movie with Steven Spielberg as the director and Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep as the stars this movie, it's almost like as a little bit of a letdown that it wasn't that much
2: more. Am I wrong? Am I... I'm kind of glad, like, it was, like, just such a quickly made movie in that that respect. Because it's like, if it was, like, in production for three years and it's this, like huge the Tom expectation Hayes would be built Pearl up street blockbuster directed by Steven Spielberg it would have been a letdown no matter what that's probably true this?
1: but like there's a slight there's a slight longing there where it's like oh this movie didn't come out and be the best movie ever yeah. um, not that it was ever going to be the best movie ever, but even so they're like it's not it's not going to be a huge splash in the water considering this like this perfect triangle of talent, yeah, um, and in that way, maybe that's the
2: that's the biggest disappointment of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I just, dis- I've also described it as like sort of a grander scale spotlight. Hmm. And I, but I think I still prefer Spotlight because that had like an intimate feeling, and it like this didn't have as much of an intimate feeling to it. Spielberg, I don't, and I don't think he can like. <laughs> At this point, make a movie with an intimate feeling. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I I'm not
1: I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I still think he's one of the most talented directors of all time. I mean, yeah, certainly. Uh, and and as we've praised with this movie, but there is it's a noticeable thing that he, I don't think I've enjoyed a blockbuster of his, a popcorn Spielberg since. I, I like War of the Worlds, but I didn't even really like it when it came out. That was more of a me thing. But okay. <clears throat> I didn't see
2: that one. I think um, that and the BFG are the only two Spielberg movies of this century that I haven't seen. Yeah,
1: I haven't seen the BFG either. I, 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 I like I've I've liked most of the the movies I have seen, which but they tend to be the more Spielberg drama, the later Spielberg yeah. stuff like Lincoln and Bridge of Spies, and obviously the Post.
2: Yeah, so we're talking about like. <clears throat> Popcorn Spielberg versus Prestige Spielberg. Yes,
1: yes, And Prestige Spielberg is still running strong. <laughs> yeah. He's doing great. Yeah, I mean, he's like, not, I
2: love Lincoln, and I love War Horse. Maybe
1: well, not reinventing the, the wheel, yeah. but the wheel is going spinning fast. Yeah,
2: uh,
1: Popcorn Spielberg, I have... It's a tricky territory. He's Fine. the best of the best in aggregate. But, I mean... Everything I know about Ready Player One just does not sound appealing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not excited for it. No, and it's it's not actually about Spielberg. It's about the movie itself, yeah. the content of the movie. That seems like, eh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a ter- it's a tough space. I'm not super yeah. excited about that. And yeah, so I guess that's that's the big fault. Like this is a solid movie, but because of the components of it there's this sort of lost potential
2: that it could have been great instead of being a solid, good movie. If you weren't told Steven Spielberg directed it, would you have been able to tell?
1: I think so. It's still very Spielberg-y. And to his credit, to his uh, um, incredible talents, he has this ability to take such a dense, uh, confusing, convoluted, piece of history like the Pentagon Papers and package it into a way that you can comprehend um, and uh, more importantly and and transform it into this story that's applicable to today. I guess you're right in the sense that it does lose some of the complexities and maybe that's what you are saying with the Spotlight comparison.
2: It doesn't go as deep or specific or as intimate. It also... One thing I really liked about Spotlight was it had like regional specificity like mm-hmm. and... I don't get that with the post. Like I don't really get the culture of Washington mm-hmm. in the post. It's
1: well, I think that yeah. more more than anything I think that comes probably from the the quick turnaround because yeah. this is a movie that's mostly in rooms and houses yeah. and board meetings which uh it totally works. It's it's kind of like the smallest scale Spielberg we've had in a while though. Yeah. Uh, I think that's... Honestly, though, I think that's a welcome refresher. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and, uh, you know, good on Spielberg for 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 doing this in the first place because it could have been... I mean, he doesn't need to make... I mean, I'm sure he has a compulsion to make movies, but he didn't need to make this one, but it spoke to him. And I think I think in a way that, you know, I, I keep going back and forth between kind of being disappointed by the lack of potential, but the fact that it's so... I don't know if it's. I don't. I, I want to raise it up to the point of it's a necessary movie for today, because I don't. I don't think this is going to change any people's minds. Unfortunately, yeah. I also don't know if it's going to do any that much good to preach to the choir. But in the in the smallest sense, it's a good piece of contextualization for the situation we're in. At least personally, it was uplifting
2: and like, oh, yeah. it's gonna be okay. And it's a it's a reminder of like this is what the First Amendment means. What yeah, what it's about. I, and it's in
1: in that way. It's like there have been two. I, I've said this to you specifically because you yeah. we were at both events. But there's only been two times this entire year I felt patriotic, and one was watching the post, and the other was when Sam the Eagle made me stand up for the national anthem. That's it. <laughs> Every, and, and like I'm not down on America. Well, kind of. It's a complicated yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Spielberg kind of to go back to our big thesis statement in the uh, the finale Tom Hanks giving episode. Uh, Spielberg is kind of the the perfect person to create the I don't want to say the disney Disneyfied or the McDonald's version, but it's like, like, sort of the idealized America. I guess. Yeah. that's, Because Tom Hanks kind of represents the idealized American yeah. in that way. Um, and how there's definitely a flaw because it lacks a lot of the real life complexity and and darkness that's behind it. I don't think that makes it a bad thing outright. No, I'm
2: completely rambling now. Take <laughs> and, us on a tangent, John. Well, like going on the like Spielberg and America thing. Mm-hmm. I do think this pairs well with Bridge of Spies because they're both like deeply rooted in like one of the amendments in the Bill of Rights. Yes. Like, So, like, Fridge of Spies is really based around right to a fair trial, Mm -hmm. and this one is about the First Amendment, Mm -hmm. freedom of the press specifically, and so I do want to see like, kind of a Decalogue type of thing (laughs) with Spielberg and Tom Hanks just doing one movie about every amendment in the Bill of Rights. That would be great. Yeah. Although... I kind of don't want to see the Right to Bear Arms movie.
1: That's true. Yeah.
2: Could just see him just reading the Constitution every night. Like, where, where's a movie? What's in here? the next one? Yeah.
1: And that that seems like a, that kind of makes sense for like who Spielberg is. It's yeah. like I want to I want to be I want to make a movie about history and yeah. like teach people the amendments and yeah. have a a contextualization for it. Um, but yes, yeah, so let's talk about Liz
2: Hanna, because she yeah. wanted to write a movie about Kay Graham. She was at the Q and A as well. Yeah, she basically had read. Captain Graham's autobiography yeah yeah which uh, her
1: book is called personal history and
2: it won the Pulitzer Prize in 1998 so and this was her first screenplay yes and that was so so wild to hear like to get a first screenplay and like oh Spielberg's interested in it oh Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep are gonna be in it that's
1: insane (laughs) for your first movie yeah like I I, I'm super excited about where she goes but at the same time it's like Number two's going to be a disappointment, no matter what it
2: is. Like, oh, Soderbergh? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see what she writes next. Should we talk about some of the other sort of people on the crew? Do you want to talk about Kaminsky? John Williams back?
1: Right, John Williams is back. Uh, This is his 28th collaboration with Spielberg. Um, I remember feeling like this was... It was not un-Williamsy, but it was... It was different enough from the 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 most significant Williams scores that I, I I I liked it. Okay. I don't think I'll be buying the soundtrack on iTunes or anything, but uh, it was nice to see him back. Good. Um, or hear him back. Hear him back. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah. uh Yanush was a cinematographer. I got kind of sick of him with bitches spies. How so? Because it's just like we get it like windows emit light. <laughs> <laughs> They look good though. This was too much. <laughs> You're all right. All right. And so he like dialed it back for this one, and I appreciated that. So. Yeah,
1: this one didn't feel like in a way... Weir- it, w- it didn't look bad at all, but it didn't really feel lit in a. Or it- I mean, it was lit. Obviously. Oh, it was
2: lit AF. Yeah, uh,
1: but it didn't. It didn't feel so painterly in a way. It was a little bit more reserved. So. Ultimately, what do you think is the lesson we can take away from the post? It's not the movie of the year. It's not going to change the world, but it's a significant movie. What can what can we do to make tomorrow better?
2: Believe women. Respect women. Yep, that's for and sure. And respect the freedom of the press. Oh, yeah. So I think those are important lessons that...
1: Very simple Very lessons. timely. Very timely. Yeah. And uh, I guess that ties us back into the, the wonderful Q&A we get. Or not, it wasn't really a and a It was more, well, it was a and a but there was no audience questions. Yeah.
2: Which, which is the best. I hate audience yeah. questions <laughs> at Q&As. The, it's but, more but, of a question than a, more of a comment than a question.
1: And a two-part yeah. question. God.
2: Like, anytime there's a podcast where they yeah. do a live
1: show, it's like, we're going to open up to the audience, like, done listening. Yeah. You'll never get that on this show. Yeah. Um, But uh, the the last question, actually, they ended on, uh, I don't remember what the actual question was, but it was the moderator kind of posed, like, you know, based on everything that happened with this film and making this film and this real-life story, how do you see the future of current politics and the Trump administration going? And Tom Hanks became the answer of this question. And it was just, like, this moment, because, like, if there was going to be a a chance for me to ask a question, I wanted to ask him something more significant about like America and the future and, and being a good person. And like, this is the best chance I was going to get. And he kind of gave me this huge answer. And this is what I thought was so optimistic, not just about the movie, but the whole experience was he, he has total faith that like, it might take a while, but just like what happened with uh, Nixon, like, the truth will prevail is basically yeah. what he came <laughs> yeah. came down to, uh, and and Trump will go down. He, these yeah. lies will c- catch up with him. It might be, maybe it won't be Mueller, but Mueller's he's gathering his. Is info
2: and it takes time for yeah. for this kind of stuff to happen, as it did with with Nixon. Yeah, he has like such faith in the freedoms given to us in the First Amendment mm-hmm. that, as like a cornerstone of what America stands for, that he doesn't believe it can crumble in that way. So yeah, like, and there's he a believes lo- it will win out.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of like. Personal experiences I've gone through this year and years past, where it's just like I, I see that that uh, that idealism, and then feel how it's ignoring these the systemic oppression for marginalized people yeah. of all sorts in general. But there was something about the way he put it, and how it's about the First Amendment, which ties to the core of like everybody. Yeah, and I have faith in his faith, <laughs> and it's like this. This is one where it's like. It it made me believe that we're gonna be okay, okay. and I don't feel that way a lot. <laughs> yeah. Listen to our Band of Brothers episode, <laughs> or don't if you yeah. want to be depressed. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, it might take a little while, but I think we're gonna be moving into a twenty eighteen that's gonna be better. I, I hope so. I hope so, but I I trust that it will.
2: Okay.
1: Um. And uh, the only actually, maybe that's a lie because uh, even though I feel better about. I think we're going to be better for America in 2018. Um, and that's evidenced by again, going back to all of the women speaking out and all of these, uh, corrupt, uh, abusive men going down and like real consequences happening. And the media is still fighting against the lies of the Trump administration. There are real consequences. So I think there's evidence to suggest that it is getting better even now. Uh, even as we're dealing with more and more shit every day. Um, but the downside to 2018 is that, looking ahead, Tom Hanks has no projects, projects coming out that year so far. The next thing on his docket is Toy Story 4, which won't be out until 2019. It's a year without Hanks.
2: Well, that just gives him the freedom to do whatever he wants. Which is good. Yeah.
1: Um, so. And there's a, obviously there's a good chance that he might pick up a project and it'll come yeah. out early. I mean,
2: this like this turned around in nine months. So. You did.
1: So, so there's a chance we'll have something. Or maybe he'll do a significant uh, David S. Pumpkins or some television yeah. appearance again. Um, and we also have, uh, I don't know if we'll get to an episode
2: about his book. But if nothing else, maybe I'll do an episode of that next year. Do you think Spielberg cast him in the post just knowing like, oh, we won't need to have to go gather a bunch of period-appropriate typewriters from all over.
1: Yeah, they just use his personal (laughs) (laughs) collection. Um, I think that's definitely a factor. Yeah. Um, So we'll probably see that again in the future. Mm. Uh, But... Yeah, so that's what we have to listen, to look forward to. So don't forget to subscribe to Tom Hanksgiving, even though we're not coming out with weekly episodes. There's a whole backlog of episodes. Every single Tom Hanks movie we've talked about. So listen to those. And uh, uh, mostly is to subscribe so that when we do have a new episode coming out, you won't miss it. Uh, follow the show on uh, Twitter, at Tom TomHanksPod, for updates. Um, about uh, coming up Tom Hanks movies or coming up uh, podcasts. Uh, and uh, you can follow me at Elvis Kaboom on Twitter and Instagram. John, do you have any social media to plug or anything you want to talk about?
2: Uh, I don't have anything personal to plug, but since I mentioned it earlier, I should give a recommendation to Land Yes, book yes. by Rick Perlstein. I've been reading it. It's fantastic. It's... Scary how much it parallels modern times, but it's basically sort of how we got into this mess. Looking at the rise of Nixon, mm-hmm. and it's so thoroughly researched, so well written. And if you have any interest, like watching the post into learning more about the Nixon administration, I I can't recommend it enough.
1: It's the it's the perfect complimentary yeah.
2: piece. That's great. Yeah.
1: So check out Nixon Land. Check out all our links. Uh, and check out The Post, which is in theaters now. And until next time, thanks for listening.
0: Tom Hanks, we fell in love with you. Tom Hanks, just like so many do deeply. Because you made a smile. And you're great on screen style. So that's why we give thanks. Because you've got a friend in Tom Hanks.
1: was your favorite color growing up, and what is it now? I think it's always been blue. Always blue? Why blue?
2: It just kind of pops to me. Okay. Yeah. Um. What's your least favorite color? Uh, probably like dark green, because I'm kind of colorblind, and I don't really know what dark green is. So when you look at Godzilla over there, what do you see? It's like, is that brown? Is that dark green? I don't know interesting it's definitely not brown okay i would i would have
0: looked at it for a while and been like i don't know